This is the one and only, the original podcast where you can find yours and your business's true value. You're listening to Our Value. Brought to you by America's insulation source, IDI Distributors. You want to hear from the best contractors, suppliers, and consultants that dedicate themselves to more than just survival in the business world? Industry professionals that are dedicated to excellence in every aspect of their business? Our Value has them all here to share that same motivation and knowledge with you. Tune in and grow a more successful, profitable, educated, and recognized business. Listen to the Our Value podcast to become the industry leader in your market. Find your value with Our Value. Hello and welcome. This is Travis Pancake, your host alongside my co-host, Don Clymer. How's it going today, Donnie? It is going good. Beautiful day here in Colorado Springs. Nice 70 degrees. Sun is shining. The dogs are barking out in the backyard, so I hope you can't hear them, but it's going good despite uh, what's going on in the outside world. Only to hear you're supposed to get, what, five inches of snow coming up? Yeah. Yeah. It's uh I don't think the kids will be hunting Easter eggs outside. <laughs> That's for sure. The long cold That's for winter sure. I think continues. this is the last nice day we get. Well, Don, what are we doing today? Who are we talking to? We actually have one of our sponsors on, a good friend, a true partner to IDI, Ben Brown with Natural Polymers. Um, you know, we've been doing business with Ben for, for a while, a couple of years now. Um, and like I said, just become a, a good friend to all of IDI, uh, true partner, uh, has some of the best products that we've, we've bought in years and, you know, kind of surprised me. We haven't had them on the show yet. <laughs> That's oops. No time like the present. Yeah. Yeah. So we got, we got Ben Brown, <clears throat> um, natural polymers. You can find them at naturalpolymersllc.com uh, on the web. We'll have some links in the, the description below. And, uh, Ben is sitting there at his, uh, office in West Chicago, Illinois with his German shepherd Gus. So we, we might get a, a special guest appearance by Gus, but Ben, uh, welcome to the show. Glad to have you on. Finally, it's been a long time coming. Yeah. Thanks for having me on today, guys. I really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Let's, um, let's just kind of get into it. Cause I think everybody who's heard me talk about natural polymers and you, uh, every time I, I say something about you, I'm like, you got to hear this guy's story. If, if there's a manufacturer out there who understands every aspect of the business from, you know, the, the chemical side to installing it, being out there and pulling the trigger as a spray foam contractor to, to now a manufacturer, you understand the frustrations that our customers, our listeners have out there because you've experienced it from every aspect of the business. So I think a good way for, for you to introduce yourself to our listeners is just start at the beginning and, and how you got into spray foam. And then we'll, then we'll go in and talk about some of your innovative products. Yeah, that sounds good. So, I mean, I basically got into the industry, you know, indirectly through a friend, uh, my first job out of school when I graduated from college was working for a, a chemical company that happened to make polyester polyols that they sold into the um, spray foam industry and polyurethane industry in general. So my first job was working as a technician in a lab, you know, running tons and tons of reactivity profile and solubility studies. And then from there, I got to the opportunity to become a commercial uh, manager and work directly with spray foam contractors, primarily in the roofing sector and developing 
the spray foam, doing all the, the fire testing, doing all the code compliance testing. And it really gave me a, a great opportunity to experience the, the laboratory, the formal laboratory and the quality control process and, and really see what that aspect of the business was. But as I got into the business and worked on the R and D side of it, I got more interested in the commercial side of it and the application side. And so as I was out working with the contractors uh, running trials around the country, it, it brought me back to my, my roots, which really was in contracting. And I grew up working for my father um, as he was a general contractor, carpenter contractor. So I literally grew up on custom home job sites, you know, you know, playing around and cleaning jobs and, and, you know, as, as ever early as I could remember. And then as I got older, he of course put me to work as soon as he, as soon as I was old enough to. So, you know, it, it kind of reminded me of, of that. And as I was working with the contractors, I kind of missed that uh, aspect of my life. I liked the working in the lab. I liked the, the R and D side of it. I always wanted to be a, a chemist. Um, as a, as a young kid, I used to, um, fantasize about making my own, uh, <laughs> superhero called chemical man. Um, and so, <laughs> you know, mix up different what color was his cape. And, yeah. I don't ever, I don't think the fantasy ever got that, that far, but I just remember, <laughs> you know, thinking about that stuff as a, as a young boy and growing up and, you know, and then just, like I said, a lot of my life was on custom home sites and doing, you know, a variety of different things because he'd build, you know, the jobs from start to finish. So I'd have to go and literally like stake jobs out with him and stake out foundations and, you know, clean jobs, you know, just everything you can imagine. So from, for my whole life. And so the only other job I had outside of the polyurethane industry was working for my father. And so as I got working with spray foam contractors who were really more in the roofing side of it, I just got drawn to that. And so when, when, um, after about three or four years working at the company, there was a, a commercial manager that had um, got approval to buy some new spray foam equipment. At the time, the machine they had there was probably 30 years old, it was a, you know, 1970s old FF 1500. I don't know if anyone ever out there remembers those. They might remember the 1600s, but the 15. I'm sure there's a few of our contractors out there. Yeah, remember those. The D-gun and everything. So they. That's Gusmer, right? Yeah, it was an old Gusmer, you know like from the, you know, like one of like maybe the first or second generation, you know, machines that they ever made. So it was a really old machine and they had the D gun and, you know, so that's where I had to, you know, work in the lab and work on this stuff. And then they upgraded and we got a, a glass craft piece of equipment. Those another dinosaur from the past. <laughs> um, and so we, you know, work got that. And so anyways, to make a long story short, they were getting rid of this machine. So I decided, well, I could take that machine and, you know, maybe start a side business. And although I'm not going to get into roofing, maybe spraying small additions and houses and, you know, crawl space, this product would be a great spray foam would be a great product for that. I don't see anyone, you know, this is early 2000. I really, in my area and all my years of being in construction and, you know, contract never saw anyone that used it. The, the closest thing we ever saw to, um, polyurethane foams was the great stuff that they were using around sure. doors and windows. Did you start insulating so, your dad's homes? So I did. Yeah. So the, he was my first customer. He, you know, he had a couple small additions. And then once I got this machine, it took me probably about six, eight months to, you know, buy a trailer, get a, you know, 
set it up, get a generator, get a, a compressor, you know, and build this thing, you know, so I literally spend my nights and weekends, you know, working on this trailer to get this machine set up and got that set up. And then, yeah, I would go out and try to, you know, take my, you know, long weekends over like a Memorial day weekend or whatever. And, you know, go and, and spray a, a job that should have taken me probably a few hours that took me probably a week to do because <laughs> the machine kept crossing over and you know those machines were really tricky compared to what they have now you'd have to you have to set your your pressure regulators different than you know on the upstroke and downstroke and and i really didn't know what i was doing with as far as the equipment you know well enough to sure manage that and then of course you're you know 100 feet away from it so you can't see what's actually going on so i learned the hard way now you know rebuild the gun every spray for five minutes and rebuild the gun for an hour. <laughs> Super efficient, right? Yeah. yeah, exactly. I mean, that's, you know, so I, so, you know, I kind of got an appreciation for, you know, early on, you know, not only the construction side of it, the contracting side of it, but you know, how difficult it is to actually go out there and, you know, get jobs done and, you know, figure out how to bid jobs. And then at some point we had to go and actually get, jobs done legitimately and get them approved by the code officials. And they did not want anything to do with spray foam. They looked at it like it was asbestos. And so we had to go and sell upsell this to architects. And, you know, I had to do this, you know, on my free time because I was still working full time um, in the laboratory. So this was just literally on my, you know, weekends or days off or, you know, vacation to try to get this going. And, you know, I just thought I really believed in it. I really saw a future. I really thought this was going to be something that, you know, as the economy and different things adjusted in the world, oil prices might go up, energy costs are going to go up. People are going to be looking for more energy efficient ways to, you know, insulate their homes. So I thought this was a, a great technology for that. Yeah. So, you're looking years down the road and, and planning. Yeah. And so that exactly. And so that, so I really thought, you know, 10 years from now, this is going to be a great market. There's going to be a great market for that. I could get in on the, the ground floor of it. Well, and weren't you kind of uh, souping up the the foam that you were spraying at the time, thinking with your background saying, hey, I could make this a, a little bit better? When I was just going to ask, just out of curiosity, what foam were you spraying? Was it a competitor of yours today? No. So we were, you know, we made the the lab that I worked at. They allowed me to make, you know, foam. Um, a few sets here and there, you know, initially. So we were, I was making my own foams. They were roofing formulations that I was modifying and, you know, and and getting them um, the reactivity profile and the chemistry. Just dropping down the density and all that kind of stuff in it for more of a. Yeah, exactly. A little bit. It actually was a lot more difficult than, than it sounds in the products, you know, in the early days, all they were good foams structurally you know, they didn't have the the reactivity profile and the the raw material base that we're using right now. And in the polyurethane industry in, in those days, everyone was using primary amines. They were using lead catalysts and, and they, they weren't using the, you know, environmentally safe products that we have now. So technically speaking, how long have you been making foam then? If you include those years? About 22 years. I'm trying to answer your other question. So that did lead me to the point where I wanted to make better products. I saw, wow, I mean, you know, the, the company I'm working for using lead catalysts, although they're using it on roofs and these are industry standard products in those days. Yeah, they were still using, you know, ozone depleting, you know, 
blowing agents and stuff. So the, the industry's changed, you know, in the 22 years that I've been involved in it significantly. And, and I like to think that I've been a, a good part of that change and, you know, and developed a lot of the newer technologies and I've definitely been an early adopter of, of a lot of these cutting edge technologies, which we can talk a little bit more about later on. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think now's a good chance uh, to do that. I think everybody kind of got the feel for your background and the struggles you went through and how you can relate. And I know that's, that's a big part of why the IDI sales reps like dealing with you. They can call you up directly. I mean, we have customers who call you directly and, and bounce ideas off you. It's not a, you know, you said you worked for this big chemical corporation. You just do not strike me as a big corporate guy. Um, you know, you like to be innovative. You like to, to do your own things and, and stretch the boundaries a little bit. So, I mean, it's, it's a natural progression, I guess, to see you become natural polymers. Right. Um, so we can talk about the, the innovation products or innovative products you have. Um, I know we've been, we've been working very closely with you on some of them, specifically the, the new natural therm zero plus. Do you want to, you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah. I mean, that's a really exciting technology. Um, you know, as we switched into these fourth generation blowing agents and I kind of talked to you a minute ago about when I was starting, we were using ozone depleting, you know, blowing agents. And then the, the industry progressively phased that out. So now, you know, I'm on the, I was on the tail end of the ozone depleting and got into the non ozone depleting raw materials. And now we're on our fourth fourth generation blowing agent chain, which is the HFO technology. And so I started working on that technology back in 2012 um, when there was really only two players at the time who were looking at future technologies, Honeywell with their Solstice and um, DuPont with their Option product. And then DuPont later spun off their company and it's called Comores now. And so that's how we got working with the next generation blowing agent technology for the HFOs. And we really looked at that for a number of years. Like I said, I think some people only started their R and D development in the last two years and we've been working on it for quite a long time. Ben, there's companies out there right now that don't even have an HFO available to the market. I mean, it, it, it it's crazy. It blows my mind. Yeah. And it, 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 it makes sense to me. I mean, it doesn't make sense from a commercial standpoint, but it makes sense in the sense that they're not technologists. They're, you know, a lot of people who get in this industry, they, they just want to do sales and they're more focused on the sales side of it. And I think that's where, you know, I'm really strong on the technical side, but on the sales side, that's where, you know, we're, we're great partners because we can team up and your guys' expertise is sales and my expertise is technology. And, you know, you, you guys want cutting edge technology and that's what we want to bring to the market. So, so anyways, this zero plus technology is our second generation HFO. So we're already on the the next generation. We kind of came out with our first product and it's a two pound our regular two pound HFO um, is a really robust, you know, product, but the market has a strong desire and need for these you know, super high yield products, ultra low odor products, you know, just, there's just different types of niches within the market that what people want. And there's different ways to make these technologies perform differently. So as we 
got experience selling our regular HFO technology, we wanted to develop something that was kind of more like our natural therm zero, which is a high yield product and very, very great innovative product. But one of the limitations with that product was, is that it doesn't meet a class two vapor barrier at, you know, one inch. Right. And so we find that people are using that product. They want to use that product more like a traditional closed cell product, but they want the yield and performance benefits that they get with the zero. So we came out with the zero plus adopting the HFO into that technology to allow it to be a, a true closed cell product and be able to be a class two vapor barrier at a one inch pass. It's and but have a lot of not get rid of the characteristics that we were getting with the the zero. So the zero yeah, plus just, it's it's the zero on steroids, right? Yeah, it's a, it's the next generation. So we're seeing, you know, you're comfortable, or I guess our techs are seeing excess of five thousand board feet out there, and, and I know that's subjective, right? There's a lot of factors that go into it, but we're seeing excess of that. And what was the R value we're we're getting on that? I mean, that product's coming in, in the, in the sevens, the age yard value okay. uh, of it, you know, so it's a very competitive to the, to the market, um, for HFO technology for the yield, you know, we think we're going to see on average 15 to 20% better than what most of the other HFOs that are That's out huge. there. And pertaining to the R value that holds through right? It doesn't lose its R value. You know, some of the foams out there that are, you know, the high R value sevens are, you know, after three inches, they're, they're actually dipping a little bit. Is that, is that going to happen with, with the, the zero plus? Well, that's interesting that you say that we've did a study on a lot of the different technologies that are out there. And what we find is that when people have these R values that they're advertising, they're really at a, a certain lift thickness. Um, what we find is when they try to spray above a certain thickness, um, they tend not to have quite as good of an R value. What happens is the cells tend to start to get open. So as you get above four inch lifts, you have a tendency to start opening the cells and these type of products we recommend you could spray them thicker, but you do see some reduced R value as you go thicker passes. So we recommend spraying it four inch lip passes, but it's certainly safe from a fire standpoint to spray it thicker. It's not going to, you know, auto ignite. If you sprayed it at six inches, I think there is a, a, there's always a ceiling with these products, right? but for optimal physical properties and to get the best results, you want to kind of have some, some minimal guidelines there. And I think with main thing I've learned over the years with spray foam development and technology is a give and take. So if you have one area that's you can really excel in, like let's say you have a really high R value, you're sacrificing possibly some other area. And the key with these technologies is to balance all those parameters. You have to meet the fire, you know, R value, dimensional stability. There's a number of things. And so you, you in order to have a high performance product, you have to be able to, you know, have high performance in all the areas. And so that's what we try to do with, with our, all of our technologies and in this product in particular, we really hit, you know, something better than what we see out in the market. And, you know, we're going to uh, get a lot of traction, I think with this product. 
Well, that's a the, one of the great things about working with with you is is just this morning called you up and oops, I thought I had that shut off. Sorry, uh, called you up and I said, uh, Ben, I need a high heat tank foam HFO. Do you have that? Yep. I have it. You know, I, there's some commercial out there. Like, what is it? Yeah. Yeah. We got that. Um, but every time you, you never say no. And, uh, it was another case this morning. Again, second call was, uh, we have a customer, one of our sales reps dug up and he does decorative rocks and we needed a certain density and coloring, whatever. And, uh, your answer was, yeah, I, I can do that. I have, I have some sitting here. That's the, that's what we love about working with you and our contractors love it is because you are, you are innovative and you have the ability to, to make the products that not only you see a need for, but our customers have a need for. And, you know, you've been, you, we've had great success with you going out. You actually, the, the owner of natural polymers goes out and does test sprays with our customers to make sure that the product is being installed right and performs right and, and does what he says it's going to do. And you don't get that a lot of times with some of these big corporations. And like I said earlier, our contractors can call you and bounce ideas off. And I think that's where some of this uh, innovation comes from, right? I mean, it's not all just you, you know, we have issues with uh, termites and darkling beetles. And do you want to talk a little bit about the, the foam you've were working on to combat that? Yeah. Yeah. But before I mentioned that, I think one of the things that I like to do is I, you can't just do things in the lab and stay in the lab. And I think what, to your point, a lot of the big companies, they have chemists and chemists tip are typically white lab coat guys. They don't want to, or men or women that don't want to, they don't necessarily lead in the lab that much. They don't get out in the field and get involved in the, the actual end use of it. And that's, that's critical for these types of technologies, you really have to understand the application and seeing it is one thing, but you, you know, having living, lived that life. I mean, I did for a number of years for over five years, make a living as a contractor. So I sprayed foam, laid fiberglass, sprayed cellulose. I did all those things. (laughs) So I I think that gives me, you know, a really unique perspective on the. Well, it adds credibility to you, right? You can get out there and walk the walk and talk the talk with these guys. Yeah, absolutely. So that's, that's what we try to do. And then I don't want to ever get so far away from my business that I'm not able to, to do that because that keeps me, you know, engaged with the end users, which ultimately is the people that we need to, you know, make sure that they're getting the best products and technology and the best support. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about the, uh, the pest foam. I don't know if we, if you've come up with a name for pest it yet, cause we're still in, yeah, we call it what we're, we think we're going to call it pest guard. And okay. so it's a, I think you might remember this conversation that you've said this before is that, you know, we talked about this a year or two ago and, and I was like, yeah, I've got this technology that I developed, you know, and I've, you know, I've never formally tested it, but I've got this technology that I wanted to test, but I never really thought there was a market for it. So, you know, I think you and another person was, asking for this or there was potentially a need yep. in the market. So we went and did some third party testing, um, which is difficult to do for termites and stuff. Cause there's, these aren't like just ASDM tests that you standard tests. So you have to go find a lab and 
you know, go through a whole process to get this. So we, we navigated that and we found some labs that can do this type of work. And we took these products and went out and tested them. And what we found is that, yeah, this, this technology really is something that is a deterrent for those types of, of, of bugs. And we're actually expanding on that. And we're going to be testing it with uh, mice and some different types of products, uh, different types of um, pests, because we want to see if we can get an overall protection to it. And the technology is, is a proprietary technology. We actually are, you know, filed a patent on it. Um, Which is so, kind of rare in the spray foam industry, isn't it? To file patents is, or? Most of the time, the for, formulation wise, you typically have things that are proprietary. So you don't file a patent typically because then you would be disclosing your formulation and, you know, with slight alterations, you could, you know, basically get around somebody's patent. Sure. But in this particular case, it's a little bit different because of the way it, it's based on the mechanism of the, and how it deters um, the pests and stuff like that. So it's, it's not formulation based. It's actually, you know, a technology based. So it's, a, it's kind of a unique um, approach to it. But so at some point, if we do have a patent on it, we can, you know, talk a little bit more specifically yeah. how it works. It, the foam, the technology, it's nanobites, right? Is that <laughs> trying to interject some humor here? <laughs> That's funny. Come on. The pictures you've shown me uh, with the case studies against the termites with, you know, against wood, against, you know, standard spray foam. And then, then the spray foam, the pest guard is pretty interesting. I mean, they, they might inspect it a little bit, but then they, they're like, no, we're not interested in this one. We'll move on. Um, so it's interesting. What, what do you think the time frame is, Ben, to get that, you know, released in the market? Are we talking maybe fall of 2020 or is it going to be a little bit more before we, before you get everything done? I mean, as far as the product being able to release it, you know, it, it's ready, it's commercial, it's ready to go into the market. You know, what we're, what we're trying to figure out is really what the market wants. I mean, and there's a debate on how spray foam is going to be used in the South. Right. Yeah. And, you know, whether or not we, you need this or not. So it's, it's technology that we have, but we need to figure out, you know, where the market is for that technology. I think how I would market it is, you know, get some more testing done on it with some other types of pests. And I think you could market it as a pest deterrent product. And it's one of those things where, I mean, why wouldn't you want to have that in your product? You know what right. I mean? I mean, probably get five or six calls a year on people. Is your foam resistant to mice? It'd be nice to be able to say, well, yeah, it's not mice proof, but it is, is resistant. And these more are so like, than the other ones. Exactly. And that's, that's what we find is like when you compare it, they do a rating. Somebody actually is trained to rate these things and it's zero through 10 and zero being like a failure and 10 being, you know, no investigation. So if they take these, different colonies and they put wood there. And then of course they want to eat the wood. So the wood looks like Swiss cheese when it's, you know, after 20 days or whatever exposure, 30 days exposure. And then with the, the pest guard treated product, it's an, you know, we get, we're getting a nine and then nine out of 10. So that's almost perfect. And then with regular spray foam as a control, I mean, it had some investigating there were like a six or a seven. So they do, Although there's no food value for a typical foam, they will borrow into it a little bit and investigate it. Whereas once you have the pest guard, 
technology. Sure. They, they just, they just, they'd rather die than go into the, into the product with that in there. So it's right. There's one thing you mentioned that I kind of want to circle back to was, uh, you know, the relationship between IDI and natural polymers. Cause there's probably a lot of our listeners out there who are saying natural polymers, never heard of them, but you've been around for, you know, what, 12 years, 10, how, when did natural polymers? Yeah, natural polymers has been in business since 2005. So okay. we've been for over 15 years and. Right. But um, see the, the reason why some of the, our listeners probably don't know or have heard about natural polymers. I think, I think more have in the last, you know, two years or so since we've kind of partnered up, but there's still probably some out there that don't. And it's because you, you have focused on the products and, you know, you just built a new plant out there, a really fantastic plant um, that that's fully automated or will be automated and um, pretty advanced, but you, you want to focus on that type of stuff versus the sales. And that's where IDI comes in. But, you know, you want to touch a little bit on, on the new plant you, you bought, cause it's a, it's a pretty big upgrade from <laughs> your first one. Yeah. I mean, we had a original plant that we put together in over the years. It was really a starter plant. It was, you know, we went from being kind of outside and this, you know, storage space to being able to move inside over years and setting up a, you know, a tote mixer and then going from a tote mixer to a, you know, a mixer that could make 30 drums at a time to, you know, eventually at that site, a mixer that could make, you know, over 200 and some drums at a time. So it, it was, a, it was an evolution as we grew the business of adding tanks and equipment. And then we just outgrew the space. There just wasn't a way to make it efficient, organize it and line up all the tanks. And we, we didn't own the building. We didn't have the ability to grow the business the way we wanted to and support it. So I had all the pots and pans and the equipment, but to, to really set you didn't it up. have the kitchen. Right. Yeah. To set it up right. I didn't have a good, good, good enough kitchen and a, you know, you couldn't organize it. So there was a lot of bottlenecks. And so we found that over a couple of years, I mean, I think that was one of the, one of the hurdles or one of the, the reasons why we didn't do more with IDI sooner is because we just didn't have the, the space to, you know, really support your guys' business. So that was, you know, if you guys would have done a lot of business with us, I mean, just would have, you know, how do you do more? You know, there's a limitation there. So we moved to a new site on 18 acres. There's plenty of land to, you know, build a bigger building if we need to. But at the, you know, the building that we have on here is over 55,000 square feet. You know, we've got a semi-automated um, production, as you mentioned, and, you know, there's, it's set up so that we can, you know, in the future add some, you know, full automation to it. So we have a world-class lab we have lots of space. There's, you know, it's just a way to really, organize the business and keep things clean and organized. I mean, if you go into my plant in the back, we got, we buy things in bulk, the truck drivers come in there and they'll say, wow, this is the cleanest plant that they've ever been in. They can't believe it how really clean is. it really That's is. I've I, seen want it. Them, you know, I want it to look like a pharmaceutical company. When you walk in here, very clean and you know, like you could, it's food grade quality, you know, I mean, very clean, organized, but you know, at the same time we're making polyurethanes there's no reason to have, you know, a messy, you know, unorganized, you know, site. And so you just want it to be real efficient. We want the people to, to, you know, take pride in what they're doing and make sure all the, the products are, you know, done correctly. And I think 
the better working environment, you know, I think you get people who take more pride in what they're doing and do a better job. And, you know, everyone feels better about what you're doing and, you know, you can, and then you could really organize and lay out a lot of experiments and you could do a lot more. So, I mean, we're, we're set up to, you know, continue to, to grow our business and support our customers and keep developing new technology and new products. What kind of, what's your capacity level right now or how much, how much can you put out? I mean, we could, you know, theoretically with the site and the amount of tanks and the way we're set up, we could probably supply half of the North American volume for, you know, spray foam. I mean, with the, with the site and the capacity that we have here. So, I so, mean, the, the potential for us to, you know, supply the market with these tech, different technologies, you know, is, um, you know, basically unlimited really. So with you setting it up to be like a pharmaceutical company, are we going to see natural polymers, uh, CBD oil? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We've got the, we've got the land here. We can grow the, it's illegal now in Illinois. Uh, soon to come, soon to come. Pancake, you got anything? Yeah. I was just going to add, you know, with so many different products out there and everybody having claims to things, what, you know, what's the draw to natural polymers other than, you know, obviously the technology, the fact that you're, you know, working in the business and on the business, uh, what are some other factors that, that brings uh, natural polymers, you know, above the rest? Yeah, I think what we're trying to do is, is focus on a, a very specific strategy of good, better, best. And so there's a lot of companies out there that have, you know, spray foams and they're, they're you know, maybe some of them are good and some of them are okay. You know, we have products that can meet and compete on all different levels, but our real focus is, is cutting edge, you know, innovation and coming out with new technologies and new things that are, you know, going to continue to grow the market and make the products better and safer and so we have a number of products in the pipeline already that are probably two or three years ahead of maybe some of our competition. And we're just going to keep working on these technologies and working with you guys to, to bring those technologies out, keep talking to the contractors and looking at the market and seeing what, what do people need? I think we have a lot more technology and a lot more stuff to offer, but you know, we're just kind of waiting to, put everything together and get the marketing strategies and all these things behind there so that we don't, you know, come out with the the wrong message. We want to make sure that everything is supported and organized. Do you, um, have you ever seen, so since we're all on quarantine and watching a lot of movies, have you ever seen the movie with uh, Jim Carrey called Yes Man? Where no. he can't physically say no to anything you're like the yes man to the spray foam industry <laughs> i can do that yeah i can do that yeah, I, yeah do I, that. Think, I mean i know what you mean i think you know that just stems from the the background that i have I and mean, yeah. it wasn't in spray foam i wasn't you know rigid polyurethane so a lot of the stuff that you guys you know have needs for is stuff that i've either been involved with in the past or you know know enough about the technology that it's, you know, it's very simple for me to, to put together some of these things. So some, some things in polyurethanes are pretty basic. And once you understand the technology, it's not that difficult to have, you know, and we, we have all, we're a full, fully capable lab, so we can pretty much do all the testing and stuff, everything, but full scale fire testing we can do in house. So for some of these products that don't require some of those types of things, they're, they're not difficult for us to, 
develop them. And, you know, just over the years, we've just developed so many different products that, you know, there's no way to really put out a, a catalog of all that stuff, you know, but it, we, you know, so we just work together to try to get what you need. Yeah. I know one thing that's great about the partnership, Ben, is, you know, we have a lot of eager customers that, you know, uh, some of us get close with and we have, uh, I don't want to call them guinea pigs, but, you know, we have plenty of testers out there that, you know, feel like they're included in the uh, development of some of these things. So, you know, just that open partnership with, with you and, and IDI and IDI's customers, I think is, is helping move along um, some of that, that uh, products, you know, that keeps us ahead of the curve, so to speak. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, our, our goal is to try to, you know, work with you guys to really help your customers, give them the best products and listen to the customers and, you know, if they're, we're not happy until they're happy, so to speak. Well, it's, it's no lie. I mean, I think we've used the word partner more in this episode than we have in, in any other one, but you truly are um, a great partner to us, to the industry, to our contractors. I love seeing the the innovation that comes out of you and the, the true passion that you have for, you know, your company and, and the industry overall to make it a, a healthier and safer and, um, you know, environment for, for the contractors, for the homeowners, for everybody involved in it. So it's just, it's, it's nice to see cause you don't get that from everybody out there, but there's, there, you have a ton of information on your website. Like I said, it's naturalpolymersllc.com. Um, you can find links to all his products on, on our website, idi-insulation.com. Um, and it's been, I, I think it's been really informative, Ben. I appreciate you. This was kind of a impromptu podcast that we scheduled. I think it came came together in about 30 minutes um, just because, you know, we're all kind of locked up, not being able to get out on the road. And I appreciate you taking the time and, and sitting down with us and hopefully our listeners kind of got a little, little better insight to, to you and your history and into natural polymers. Yeah. And just to circle back quick too, on uh, just your history, you know, you're coming up through the industry uh, being in kind of all facets of it from installing it to making it for, you know, as you said, technically 22 years now, uh, it gives a lot of credibility to uh, what you're doing today with us. So appreciate your time, Ben. Yeah. Thank you guys. I really appreciate the opportunity and hopefully there'll be more opportunities to talk some more about these newer technologies as we get closer to rolling out some other things. I think you'll be a reoccurring guest, Ben, since, since you are a, a, a sponsor. Right. <laughs> Got to pay for this somehow, right? Yeah. Well, thank you all for listening. You've been listening to Our Value. Stay tuned for the next episode coming soon. Hey, and if you like it, subscribe, tell a friend. And if you don't like it, tell, tell a competitor. Have him listen to it. But thanks again, guys. We appreciate it. Yeah.